Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda. I am married to Daryl, and we have eight kids uh, who were born between 1991 and 2004. I'll let you do the math on that one. <laughs> and we've been homeschooling for over 24 years, and one of my favorite things to do is to encourage moms. Um, that's really what my podcast is all about. And sometimes I talk about homeschooling. Sometimes I talk about just normal mom issues and mom stuff. But today I'm going to be talking about homeschooling and specifically homeschooling with purpose or for performance. Now, I, I think what I need to do is start out by telling you what I don't mean by performance. What I don't mean is that our children never have to meet a standard, they never have to try their hardest or do their best, um, that somehow when they're performing well, they're probably um, you know suffering in another area. Um, I don't want to send that kind of message at all because we know what God's Word says about diligence and we know what He says about um a man who's skilled in his work, that he won't serve before mere men, he will serve before kings. So God is very much about doing our best and um, and about, about becoming skilled in what we're doing. But today what, I, what I'm talking about when I talk about performance is I'm talking about these uh, man-made standards that don't come from God, that we put on ourselves and that we put on our children. And so much of the time, those standards are rooted in what other people think. They are rooted in fear. Um, And we all know, I say this all the time, it's never a good idea to make any decision out of fear. But we're afraid that we're going to shortchange our kids somehow if we don't meet all of these uh, performance standards that can sometimes be um, conveyed to us either from other people, through our culture, through reading, through sometimes even through our homeschool co-ops and our well-meaning homeschooling friends. Because I think what we forget is that There are as many different ways to educate as there are fingerprints, but we've forgotten that because the traditional school system has has put a sort of um, system in place that uh, just is for the herd. It's not individualized. It's not customized to meet most children's needs, their real needs. And I know that for most of us, that's one of the main reasons that we're homeschooling. So what we don't want to do is fall into that trap of performance. Um, I shared some pieces of this podcast in a devotional that I did for a recent online conference called Life Schooling. It's a life schooling conference, and it was just a fun, fun thing to be a part of. I was able to do the middle school and high school workshop talking about kind of what life schooling looks like um, at that phase of the game. But as I shared some of these things in the devotional that I was doing with the parents over the weekend, I just really felt like it, uh, it, it bears repeating um, some of the things that I shared. And so I want to share with some of those things with you today, in addition to some other things that the Lord has brought to mind um, as I was putting the notes for this together. 
So again, when I talk about homeschooling for performance, again, we're thinking, don't my kids need to meet a certain standard? Um, Absolutely. I think that our children need to do their best. And you know what? That's going to look different for every child. And it's going to look different on any given day. But again, this is where homeschooling should lend itself to that kind of flexibility and freedom. So when you think about um, not meeting a certain standard or needing to meet a certain standard, I'd like you to dig a little deeper and identify what you mean by that. Okay, so because we all might have a little bit of a different meaning when we're thinking about certain standards. Um, Maybe you're thinking about testing performance. Uh, that, um, you know, our kids need to test well. Well, again, I believe that is a cultural pressure that has been put on us. And we can see that it's clearly not working in the traditional school setting. Testing performances have become more and more and more central to the day-to-day teaching in the classroom. And it is frustrating teachers to no end. It is not allowing them to really focus on what they feel like they should be teaching the kids at the different age levels. And I have talked to countless teachers who feel this way, former teachers and current teachers, and they're finding it really, really frustrating and very, very uh, much an exercise in futility. Kids aren't doing any better on the testing than they were before, and yet the, the system is insistent on focusing on that more and more and more. So my question to you is we know it's not working. It might even be one of the reasons we pulled our kids from school. So why are we overly concerned about it? Why are we afraid? Why are we putting uh, maybe too much focus on testing performance? So these are just some things to think about. Other, I, um, other things that we can mean by you know certain standards, maybe you mean the scope and sequence chart. Well, I can tell you um, my own experience with the scope and sequence chart was uh, very short-lived. Um, I felt like maybe I should check that out just to see if my kids were meeting the standard. And as I was reading through it, I just had this sinking feeling in my gut. And I wondered what that was, and I realized fairly quickly that it just wasn't a good fit for us. That basically what was happening was I could I could see the writing on the wall. If I really engaged with this scope and sequence chart, I would be a slave to it. So here's the thing, whether it's a scope and sequence chart or whether it's testing or whether it's our schedule, we need to ask ourselves, is this particular thing our servant or our master? Because these things can serve us and can serve our homeschooling and can serve our children um, if it serves the purpose for which we're homeschooling. Does that make sense? These things are meant to serve us. We are not meant to serve them. So we need to ask ourselves, am I serving something that was actually meant to serve me, whether it's testing performance, scope and sequence chart? Um, You know, there's a bazillion other possibilities out there and probably things are popping in your mind right now, even as I'm saying it. So again, these things are only helpful if they serve the purpose for which we are homeschooling. So if it becomes an obstacle to that particular thing, 
or to the purpose of our homeschooling, then you can pretty much guess that it has become performance-driven. And another telltale sign is the stress that we feel with it, the lack of peace. Um, I shared a Facebook post recently about how much we truly did enjoy our years homeschooling our kids. And it wasn't because I was a fantastic teacher. It wasn't because it wasn't hard at times, but it was because I veered away from anything that I felt like wasn't a good fit for our family. And and how I knew it wasn't a good fit for my family is that it would take the peace out of our home it would suck the life out of my kids wanting to learn and it would drain me as a mom. I would just feel stressed about it. So those were my telltale signs that um, whatever it is we were doing wasn't actually working for us and wasn't a good fit for us. So we need to be sensitive to that. I want to share with you some results uh, from that I read regarding teachers and when it comes to to testing and their feelings about it, 72% of teachers say they feel moderate to extreme pressure to increase test scores. And nearly half of the teachers in a survey conducted were actively looking for a different job or other opportunities. They also said that there was more than, there was about over half of the teachers out there that were surveyed said that their mental health was suffering. Isn't that crazy, you guys? The classroom situation um, and setting, the way it sits, is not something that we want to replicate. And I realize that uh, we have to start somewhere, right? So I totally get the need to have some structure. I needed structure with our kids, but we kept our structured time to a minimum basically to the mornings or less if they were younger. Some, If they were younger years, it was maybe one to two hours at the most. You know, If they were very young, it was maybe 15 minutes when they were in kindergarten. Sometimes we didn't do anything. I didn't do anything with them until I felt like they were ready. And I kind of knew my kids. I knew what to look for. I knew the signs that would tell me that they were ready to sit down and try something out. But our current system is performance-based and it is failing most kids. And I think, again, we need to be careful not to to try to replicate that so vehemently at home. I think we can pull some pieces out that maybe do work for us. Again, it's a chew up the meat, spit out the bones. If there's something there that works for you and works for your family, then you should totally do it. But again, it's like fingerprints. Every family is going to look uniquely different from one another. So my thing that I would automatically just go back to and that I've seen over and over and over again through the years with our kids is that kids are natural learners and they are curious by nature. We're under some sort of impression that we've been told that if we don't teach it to our kids, they won't learn it. Now that can be true for some things, but there are a lot of things that kids can and will learn much more effectively on their own. And it's surprising how much 
that is true. I have watched this happen over and over and over again with our kids. And so I'm constantly reminding parents and moms that kids are natural learners and they're curious by nature. Our job is just not to burn them out. I talk about this in my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler. It's a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling where I sort of just hit the highlights and help parents sort of hone in on a maybe a little better fit for their kids. But it's so important that we as moms listen to that mom instinct that God has put in us. You guys, the world has told us and the school system has told us for flipping ever that we are not qualified to teach our kids, that we are in fact a hindrance to their learning. And so a lot of us walk around with a little bit of a subconscious feeling that we're just really not qualified for this job. And you know what? I think in most cases, nothing could be further from the truth. I've seen cases where that's not true, but if that's true, it's probably not any mom who's listening to this podcast. I can tell you that. So I'm talking to you moms who I know love and care for your children deeply. You would go to the moon and back. You would reach the far ends of the earth to get what your children need in order to be prepared for life. And so we need to relax. The problem is that if we don't relax and listen to that mom instinct and we let ourselves get so wound up, we are going to end up taking a boat we don't want to be on with our kids. Because the truth is, I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm going to sacrifice my kids' my relationship with my kids over book work, I, as personally, I'm not willing to pay that price. And this is why the second point that I want to make is so important. So the first point is to listen to your mom instinct. The second point is to listen to your kids. Listen to your kids. They will help you figure out what it is that works best for them. I talked with a mom this week who has a nine-year-old who's just pushing back on all of her schoolwork, doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to you know, do the hard thing, quote unquote, But here's the thing. If this is a character issue, it's going to show up in other areas. It's going to show up in their chores. When you ask them to do something, they're going to be lacking perseverance. They're going to be lacking motivation. They're going to have the same response to that as they do to schoolwork if it's a character issue. If that's not what's happening and it's just happening with schoolwork, that is a really good cue that you need to re- think your approach and you need to rethink your approach with your kids' help. Yes, even a six-year-old, a seven, eight-year-old, smaller children, older children, they can contribute to the conversation about what is working for them and what isn't, what's frustrating them. Because what you'll find is you'll see that, okay, well, maybe they're not ready for this particular piece yet. So we can hold off on that and maybe we'll do this instead. Um, what are they really interested in learning? You guys, this is about this is about following what works for your family, finding that piece. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to find that sweet spot and it's going to last forever, but there should be some sense of underlying peace as you're walking through your homeschooling days with your kids, and you should be enjoying them. I would say that 80% of the time I was enjoying my kids, and I think a big part of that was because I kept things simple, and that was my choice. That was what God led me to do. Maybe your family loves to be busier and you thrive in that, but the question is, is there peace there, or are you striving for performance? The other day I had a conversation um, 
this is just kind of an example of collaborating with our kids. I had a conversation with our 14-year-old who informed me um, that, well, what I told him was, I said, I would love to have your input on what it is that you feel like you need to work on, but it seems to me that you feel like you're you're good to go. Like there's no areas that you need to work on. I said, can you think of any? He said, no, not really. And I said, okay, well, do you think you're a good reader and that you remember most of what you read? Because this mom knows that his reading comprehension is struggling. And he thought about that and he gave me an honest answer. He basically said, you know, yeah, I probably could work on that. And I said, do you think that you could maybe use more practice at writing? Do you think you're an excellent writer or as good as you need to be? And he was like, no, probably not. I could probably work on that too. And see, what I did there was I was bringing him into the conversation and by him having to say out loud that he needed to work on these things, he is owning his education. And this is the goal. We want our kids to own their education, to understand, oh yeah, I need to work on this. And then all of a sudden their motivation becomes more more evident And they realize, wow, I really do need to work on this. So listening to our kids and having, so it's listening to your mom's instinct, listening to your kids, and then listening to the Holy Spirit. You guys, God has something to say to us. Our job is to take the time to listen. And you know, summertime is, there's never a better time than, you know, between school years to really sit back and take a step back and look at the big picture and ask yourself, Am I really, are we homeschooling with purpose or are we homeschooling for performance? What areas are stressful and what areas really need to change? Don't be afraid to change um, because you're afraid you're not going to meet the standard. That's not a good reason to keep doing what you're doing. I think it's really important, again, to have that underlying peace. Listen to the Holy Spirit. We really as Christians and as uh, Christian homeschooling parents need God to renew our minds when it comes to education. You know, we talk about having our minds renewed um, just in general. And I think it's safe to assume that it would include the education of our children as we're raising them. So I want to read a couple of verses. Um, actually, it's Romans 12, 2 from a couple different translations. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in the New Living Translation, it says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you hear how that applies to education? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. You know, we talked about this earlier. It's not working, okay? So let's not copy that. Let's let God transform our thinking and our minds when it comes to educating our kids. So I would just want to share a quick little story that happened to me recently um, that lines right up with this and is a perfect example of it. 
have been struggling with what to do for language arts for our son for this next year. He's 14. Language arts is not his favorite subject, just like most of our boys. We have five boys and three girls, and most of the boys just really liked math better than language. But... um, He does need to work on some things. He has dysgraphia, so we have to kind of, that's sort of an obstacle that we have to work with and work around. But the interesting thing is I started reading a book called Mama Bear Apologetics. So let me back up a little bit first. I've just been feeling this urgency that I can't seem to fit Bible or apologetics into our day on top of the other things that we're doing. It just did not feel peaceful to me. It felt, again, like it was going to wreck this this peace that we have in our home. So I've been praying and praying and praying about it and thinking about it. And as I was reading this book called Mama Apologetics, Mama Bear Apologetics, which I will be having the author to this book on our podcast in October. So I'm super excited about that. But she gave some very startling uh, statistics when it comes to our kids and when they are actually mentally uh, leaving the church. We've heard the statistics that are staggering about how many kids who are raised in the church who are leaving the church. I think it was somewhere around 70%. And so she uh, shared some really interesting information about how our kids are actually, in reality, if they're leaving the church or their faith, they're actually doing it somewhere around middle school. Now, mom and dad may be trucking them back and forth to church, but in their hearts, they have sort of gotten off the boat. And it was really interesting because... um, She was saying, I'm trying to find the statistics here. I thought I had it marked in my book, Um, but I'm still looking here. But she said, essentially, our kids are making a decision one way or the other in the depths of their hearts by about eight years old. Isn't that fascinating? And she said, after that, we really need to be on our toes. And some of the things that she talks about are not teaching our kids that everything is black and white, that, that to take everything and categorize it. This is safe, this is unsafe. This is Christian, this is unchristian. This is a person we listen to, this is a person we don't listen to. But to learn to listen and study with discernment. And I thought, Lord, this is what I really want to teach Silas. I really want him to know how to do this, but how do I incorporate that into our homeschooling? Because I know he would be completely overwhelmed. Well, I ended up looking at some resources um, that she lists on her website, and I found some workbooks, about six of them. And the funny thing is that I was, as I was looking at the, the lessons, I can incorporate copywork, typing, um, and a lot of his language arts through those workbooks. Um, so I'm super excited about this uh getting those in the mail and beginning to work on those and work through them because in the process, he is also going to be learning how to be discerning. And again, I'm just feeling this urgency like never before that we need to be careful as Christian homeschooling parents that we are not so caught up in quote unquote homeschooling our kids that you know we're caught up in the educational quote unquote aspect of it. And when I say educational aspect, I mean kind of more the world's version of it, 
that we are neglecting to instill the word of God and discernment into our children. Our children are going to need that above all anything else as they're going into the future. You guys, the future is very unknown. It is moving quickly. It is changing quickly. Our culture is changing quickly. Our children need to know how to navigate that. And I truly believe that if we make that a priority, God will work out the rest. And I'm not saying we don't ever have to, we don't have to do math and some other things, but let's ask him, how can we do these things and be teaching our kids discernment? How can we prepare them practically speaking, but also um, encouraging and teaching discernment and critical thinking and problem solving? So, um, I want to talk now about what it looks like to be homeschooling with purpose. I think the first thing we need to think about is uh, we need to make sure that we understand why we're doing what we're doing. Why did you decide to homeschool? What is it that God laid on your heart so heavy that you were willing to pull your kids from school or keep them from going to school? that made you decide to do this? What were the reasons? And I want you to write these down because these, this is your mission. This is what God has called you to in your particular family. Now, how that's going to play out, how that's going to unfold, the details of it, we need to let God lead us in what that looks like because obviously our mission statement is going to be a long-term goal. The details of how to get there require us to take Take the time to listen to the Lord's voice and to homeschool with purpose day in and day out, keeping our hand to the plow and not letting ourselves give in to the temptation to homeschool for performance. The other thing we need to remember is homeschooling is not going to save our kids. I was reminded of that as I was looking through a friend's, looking at a friend's post, and she's another uh, homeschooling mom who's uh, homeschooled for years and years and um, seen what's happened in the homeschooling arena is that, you know, years ago, we were literally being told that homeschooling will save our kids. You guys... I'm sure that you know better than that, but I still feel like I need to speak it out. Don't assume that because you're homeschooling that your kids are gonna walk in faith. We have got to be intentional because the lies and the um, the attacks on our faith are everywhere. They are inescapable and our kids are having to deal with them at younger ages than ever before. And this is why we need to have these conversations with our kids and why we need to be intentional and purposeful in our homeschooling. And I think that starts with us as parents, remembering that before we are parents or homeschooling parents, we are first disciples of Christ. You guys, if we set that example, our kids will see that. I guarantee you they hear way more. They, they absorb more of what we do and who we are than what we say. They can sniff out hypocrisy a mile away. We've got to be the real deal. We've got to be disciples of Christ first. That is our first calling. In Luke 10, 38 to 42, it says, and as uh, Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. 
But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So what did Mary discover? She discovered and understood that she was a disciple of Christ first, and she took the time to listen for the good that Jesus had for her, and then she moved forward with confidence and peace. Moms, that's what we're called to. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. This doesn't mean we never get up and do anything, but we make this a priority. We hear from the Lord so that we can move forward in confidence and peace with the work He has for us to do. There is nothing wrong with the checklist, but when it replaces relationship, things go sideways. We lose the heart of discipleship. We lose the heart of Jesus. And when it comes to homeschooling, we begin to homeschool for performance. We are called to follow Christ first, and then we are called so we allow Him to disciple us as we disciple our children. It's this beautiful circle, and we need to not let that be disrupted by a need or a, um, a need to perform or feeling pressure to perform. We need to remember that education is discipleship. Discipleship is rooted in relationships, and relationships take time. And this is why I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler. That's the, that's the unhurried piece of it. It's not only not rushing into schoolwork too early before they're ready, but it's also about us as moms taking the time to listen for the Lord's voice, leaving margin in our days so that we can enjoy our kids. One of the reasons that um, I believe that education is discipleship is based on Luke 6, 38 and 39, when Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Wow. There's a few things going on there. I think about a classroom situation. We all know that our children are born foolish. We know that. The Bible tells us that. They need to learn to uh, they need to learn discernment. They need to learn um, uh, wisdom, right? And this is the beauty of homeschooling them is we can walk alongside of them and disciple them and, and, and model for them what it looks like to have discernment and wisdom. But that's not what's happening in a typical classroom situation. Our kids are probably more influenced by the children, the the little fools around them, than they are by the greatest teacher on the planet. Because the children are going to have a bigger impact on our kids, more likely than the teacher ever will. And so I look at a classroom like that and I think one blind person leading another, the end result will be that they both fall in a ditch. And you know what? I don't want my kids in a ditch. I want them walking the path of life. And then it goes on to say that students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So here we can keep our authority as parents and as the sort of discipling teacher that we are for our kids. Um, It's important for us. Obviously, we're not going to let the kids run the show, but we're going to collaborate with them because discipleship is about relationship. Then it goes on to say, but the teacher who is fully trained will be 
uh, the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Again, that's a call to us as parents to continually be growing so that we model for them what we want them to become. And I know that's a scary thought, but I want you to understand that God's grace covers so much. There were times when the kids were growing up where I messed up so much, I looked at my husband and said, the only way that these kids are ever going to be okay and turn out okay is by the grace of God. And you know what? I was right. I took what I had to offer, the loaves, the fishes, what little I had to bring to the Lord every day, and I asked Him to multiply it, and He will do the same for you. But the goal and the, and the vision and the, uh, that we have is to continue to move forward in our relationship with God and to continue to become more like Him. Our children will see that over the years. They will absorb that. They will take that in when we're willing to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up, and I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have forced that. Um, that was wrong. Do you forgive me? while still keeping our authority as parents. But you know what happens is our kids respect us more when we're willing to apologize and we're willing to make things right. And we set the example and we require the same of them. And this is just a beautiful sort of, um, uh, you know, symphony that goes on as we walk through the messiness of life together. So we all have reasons that we homeschooled our kids, right? Um. One of the scriptures that really inspired me to want to homeschool our kids is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone is, let me reread that. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. And can you feel the strong relational peace in this? And also the unhurried peace where we're allowing room for God to work, taking the time to look for where He's working in our kids' lives and to join Him in what He's doing. It's so important that our schedules are not are not always so full that we lose the ability to really connect with our kids when the opportunity comes. That's, be, that's the discipleship piece of it. Um, homeschooling can lend itself to discipleship in a really beautiful way, but are we allowing our performance perspective to hijack that? Education is discipleship. Discipleship is rooted in relationship, and relationships take time. I want to talk for a minute about the other element of homeschooling for performance that can be really difficult to deal with. Um, And that is uh, being concerned about what other people think and the pressure that family members, close friends, people we love and care for and even respect are trying to put on us at times. You know, God says um, in his word in in 1 Samuel that man looks on the outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. Performance is about the outward appearance. Discipleship is about the heart. How many of you have experienced criticism for the way you're raising the kids or your kids or the fact that you homeschool them? One of the biggest challenges that we face as homeschoolers is this pressure, this outside pressure from, like I said, people we know, love, respect, I remember when uh, 
our kids were young and our fifth child was two years old and he was a little hothead. He got mad really, really quickly. His whole, he was fair skin. He is fair skinned, blonde hair and his whole head, his whole face would just turn beet red and he'd get blotchy on the neck. And he definitely had a temper and we were um, parenting him the way we felt led to parent him. But I had someone I really loved and respected who said to me, pulled me aside and said, you're not being hard enough on him you need to be a lot harder on him or he's going to be a horrible, horrible child, a horrible teenager. You're going to have nothing but trouble with him. And I really took that to heart. And I thought, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not seeing something that, you know, I need to see. And so I started to sort of implement that. And I can't tell you what a burden that put on my heart and how much it burdened me to do that. And I recognized it almost right away. And it was really killing my son's spirit. And so I went to my husband and I said, this is what happened, you know, what do you think? And he said to me, if anyone is gonna talk to us about, if if anyone's gonna talk to us, um, if God is gonna talk to anyone about how our children should be raised, it will be us. I was like, you're right. He's already told us what, what, we should be doing with him at this stage of the game. Let's just keep doing that. And it was interesting because um, he grew up and those same people who criticized him absolutely love him as an adult. And this is the thing, you guys, you have to understand, you're sowing seeds that will bear fruit over time. We live in a culture that is all about instant gratification. And this is why we're so heavy into performance. We want to see results. But the bottom line is when you are investing for the long term and you are investing for eternity, you have to wait and be patient for those results. And that's where faith comes in. But as I prayed about this with the Lord, um, one of the ways that he encouraged me is he brought me to this scripture in uh, Psalm 37. It says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause like will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about um, evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It leads only to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Isn't that beautiful, you guys? That's speaking directly to that type of scenario. Now, when it talks about the wicked, I personally try not to see the person as wicked. There are people who I would view as wicked who are clearly wicked, but you know this person that I loved and respected I didn't I don't think there's a wickedness about them or that they were specifically the wicked I look at the spirit behind you know a lot of times the enemy will use people um, who even who are Christians who are well-meaning who will say things that are actually directly from the enemy and I know I'm probably I know I've been guilty of that in the past I know I have so it's it's a grace thing you guys Think about what's behind that. That is actually when a person makes those comments and discourages you like that, look past them to who it's really coming from. It's coming from the enemy and he is going to fade like grass. He will wither like a flower. 
But this says to take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. What is your heart's desire for your children? If you delight in Him, He will help that come to pass. We need to commit everything we do to the Lord, trust Him, and He will help us. And this is the verse that stood out to me. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. This is what happens over time. Time tells all things. Be faithful. Do what God is calling you to do. And don't be swayed by man and his supposed wisdom. I want to share with you a devotional out of my uh, the devotional that I've written called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. If you are looking for a devotional right now or in the future, I would encourage you to check it out. I am really adamant about including passages of scripture and encouraging words for moms and homeschooling moms And also there's a place in there for you to talk about what you feel like God's laying on your heart and then your own prayer to Him. And so it's really about connecting with the Lord and uh, through prayer and through His Word. And that is just so important for us to be able to stay intentional in our lives and in our homeschooling. So this, this particular devotional is called God's Wisdom or Man's. Although educate, so the the passages First Corinthians one eighteen to thirty one, and I don't have my Bible right in front of me to read it. Um, there will be a piece of it later on in the devotional. But here's what I want you to hear: Although education is important, our society tends to elevate it to an unhealthy place. It has become an idol in many households, including homeschooling families. God has a lot to say about worshiping other gods. Throughout the Old Testament, idol worship was the constant downfall of his people. Time and time again, the Israelites turned their backs on God and chose the gods of the culture around them. When we stop and think about it, we could list several gods found in our culture, but as homeschooling moms, the one that plagues us the most is probably the God of education. While doing what we believe is best for our kids, most of us feel constant pressure and wonder if we'll be able to pull this homeschooling thing off. Why do we think that? Most likely it's because we've been sent a clear message from the world that we simply aren't good enough. We don't have what it takes. For thousands of years, children's education happened mostly at home. We've been raised to believe that education is something only certain people can do correctly, but that is simply not true. In fact, it is irresponsible and reckless. If you're like me, probably one of the biggest reasons you are homeschooling is that you want your children to own their faith. The world tells us that this is foolishness, or at the very least, it tries to distract us with other elements of education. This is where the performance comes in, you guys. This can make us feel less than because we aren't making those elements more important than discipling our children. I'm going to reread today's scripture passage with the things that I just mentioned in mind. Or I want you to reread it. You know, I'm going to grab my phone and try to look it up here really quickly because I really feel like it's important for you to hear the actual scripture. Um, So important because it's so revealing. So I will reread that scripture today, right now, with the things And I want you to think about the things that I just mentioned in mind when it comes to the God of education. Notice what it says about the intelligent and the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters. So let me pull this up on my phone. Um, I guess if I was more professional, I would be a little more prepared, but I sort of... um, 
Sometimes I'm just needing to follow the Lord's lead, you know? So 1 Corinthians 1, thank the Lord for phones, right? They're handy dandy and I can look up, let's see, look this up right here while I'm sitting with you and I don't have to leave you. So let's do this. Um, here we go. So here it is, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So be thinking about those scholars and those philosophers and the world's brilliant debaters and the intelligent. Think about who those people are. Think about the educational system, the God of education as I read this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. This is God talking, you guys. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Don't you love that? As believers, we don't work according to the same economy as the world. We are united with Christ who is wisdom himself. Wisdom itself. Our perspective is essentially polar opposite to the world's. So of course, our kids' education will look different as well. God's heart is loving toward us and he has a very good plan for our children and for us. We are called to seek his ways above human wisdom and in that process, he will meet our every need. Don't you love that? So not only is God able, but he is willing. James 1 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in all 
they do. Let us not be unstable. I have fallen back on that passage over and over again for parenting, homeschooling, my marriage. God is faithful, you guys. But we have to believe and not doubt and not be led astray by comparisons and distractions and temptations to performance. We need to ask God to help us be laser focused on what he has called us to and walk in obedience to that. We need to homeschool with purpose. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. The wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will inherit the land. You guys, we know how the story ends. We've got to keep an eternal perspective in life in mind while we are raising and homeschooling our kids. Let's homeschool with purpose and not for performance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for your word that um, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that it gives us discernment and wisdom. God, may we be faithful. May we be found faithful to be in your word daily as much as possible, even if it's just little pieces here and there, God, it's truth. It's the only truth that exists, Lord. We thank you that all truth comes from you and all truth comes from your word, Father. No matter what the world says, truth is not subjective. Truth is found in you. And so, God, I pray for each one of our hearts as moms that we would continue to fight the good fight, that we would continue to be intentional in our faith, intentional in our lives, and intentional in our homeschooling. Father, may we be laser focused on what it is you have called us to, and may we be faithful and courageous to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.